Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi everyone, this is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of Mixergy, and many more. This is a show where I talk to proven founders about their 30, th- 0 to 30,000 MRR journey and beyond, and their biggest challenges during the first three phases of building their software. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStop.io, which I co-founded after being in SaaS for nearly a decade. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition. If you want a reliable full-stack development team with top talent that costs half as much as in-house developers, and you can think of us as your outsourced CTO, as we've got 20 years of development, entrepreneur, and business experience to help keep your project from ending up in the software graveyard. We specialize in software as a service, software startups, uh, contact us at onestop.io so we can spec out your project today. Uh, today, I have Michael Hunter, co-founder of Spiffy. Spiffy creates beautiful order forms to increase the revenues from your online purchases. Today, we'll talk uh, with Michael about how he turned a 5,000 MVP into a 500,000 ARR three, th- three years later. My favorite kind of interview with a bootstrapping founder that's on track to become a SaaS monster. How are you today, Michael? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Good. Thanks for coming on at midnight your time. Uh, that's yeah. uh, you can tell you're you're definitely a hustler. So thanks so much for for your time and uh, uh, making the effort to accommodate um, a European time schedule. Absolutely, um, anytime. So tell me about um, who your customer is and what problem you're solving for your customer. Yeah. So we actually started Spiffy out of our marketing agency. So about 10 years ago, we started a marketing agency. And for the last eight years, we've worked with authors, speakers, coaches, personal brands, thought leaders, and worked from everybody from people that were just getting started all the way up to some household names in the personal development and uh, entrepreneurship business fields. And through that journey, we used a ton of different software. And we realized that for the average person, taking payments was still way too hard. And it's 2020 and even today, it's still way too hard for the average business owner to figure out how do I take a dang credit card payment through my website? I mean, you just go down this deep rabbit hole of merchandise processors and payment gateways and you know, trying to integrate PayPal and other things in with your solution and you know, different apps out there that are, that are really simple and easy to use, but they're very limited. You know, they only do subscriptions for SaaS. And then as soon as you want to do like a payment plan or a one-click upsell or an offer bump or, you know, it's a lot of the best practices a lot of marketing gurus talk about, the software just can't handle it. And so that's really the, the core problem that, we, that we're solving is we want to make it easy for non-technical people to get beautiful mobile optimized, conversion optimized checkout process up on their website so it's easy for them to take payments. And they don't need to, you know, technology is not the limiting factor and then to be able to take payments. So we're, as of right now, we're making it easy for that same demographic that we've been serving for the past decade, authors, speakers, coaches, consultants, personal brands, thought leaders, making it super simple for them to 
to take payments to their website and do a lot of those things that I mentioned as far as features, one click ups, sales, offer bumps, and things of that nature. Okay. Would you say, uh, so is your customer mostly a SaaS, a SaaS customer or all, all across the board? Um, we do have SaaS customers uh, that, that are our clients and, and use us as the back end for their SaaS, but primarily who we're serving are people that are selling services and digital products. So people that are selling either their time, um, you know, they have clients on retainer, they okay. are selling online courses, digital goods, uh, things of that nature. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so, um, so you mentioned you had an agency. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, what, uh, are you working with the same founders of the agency now? And tell, tell me a little bit about the backstory of transitioning from agency to uh, SaaS or yeah. you, you consider yourself a SaaS, eh? Yeah, we're, we're completely a SaaS now. Okay. So we started 100% as an agency and there was about a four year journey of transitioning from agency to software. And uh, my business partner, Jeremy Abraham, who I co-founded the agency with is also my business partner with Spiffy. Uh, okay. So we're the, we're the co-founders of, of both and um, it's been a, a pretty awesome journey. Um, okay, so tell me what was happening with the agency. Um, you built it up, what were you doing? So we were primarily doing a lot of product launches, marketing automation funnels, websites, webinar automation, marketing campaigns, okay. Facebook ads. I mean, everything from paid advertising, top of funnel, all the way through bottom of the funnel, uh, maximizing customer, uh, you know, customer you know, revenue from existing customers and doing live events and all. Okay. So basically you're like a marketing guy. You're like a marketing guy. You're like, a, yeah. you're like customizing, you have some technical skills. Um, it sounds yep. like you're building custom funnels. You're helping big guys like Frank Kern fix his funnel or something like that. Is that what you were doing? Yeah. Yeah. So like we, we ran Brendan Burchard's company for two full years while he was writing high performance habits. Okay. Frank Kern is one of the customers of Spiffy. Um, he's okay. been one of our longest standing customers. So in that space of information products is, is definitely where we play. And okay. um, a lot of those big names are, are either customers or former clients. Okay, great. So those are really good skills to have, by the way. So it's a strong, you know, obviously strong background that, um, that any of our listeners, if you cannot go wrong with those types of skills, uh, building and fixing funnels for high level guys like that. Cause I imagine you learned a lot working with guys like Frank Kern and stuff about how to build killer funnels. And Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and just a lot of, of great business practices and, and things that weren't necessarily directly related to software, but you know, definitely translated. So what were the revenues when you were running the sort of at the peak of the agency about what were your revenues? Uh, we were doing about half a million dollars a year in so the agency. What you're so you're doing now, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, 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 and so we so started Spiffy as, as a side hustle on our agency. And, okay. um, you know, to answer your question, like, like what prompted the, the switch or, you know, what was yeah. the transition thing? You know, we kind of climbed to the peak of, of the mountain in the agency field and, and worked with a lot of the big names in our industry and realized that, you know, Jeremy and I were kind of looking at each other and like, man, like this, these are long hours. Like we're, we're working with the clients we always dreamed of working with. We're getting results. We're out there hustling. We're putting in consistently 90 hour weeks and we're yeah. like, we, can't, we, we can't do this for the next 20 years of our life. Like it's not, it's not a great lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's really what prompted uh, prompted the the switch to SaaS. We knew we wanted to get into SaaS, and we 
you know, since we've used all of the different pieces of software that were the go-to solutions, we knew where all the limitations were and we saw where all the cracks were and we had a really good understanding of what the market wanted and needed. Yeah. Um, even if though, even though they didn't necessarily know they needed it. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what prompted you know, how we narrowed down uh, our, our ideas to actually building Spiffy. Okay, so in in our communication before the show, you mentioned you had like twenty ideas um, for SaaS. So you're sort of you're you're hustling. Um, you're you're there working with big clients. Tell me about how you came up with your ideas. Were you just like keeping a journal, or how were you like how were you coming up with the ideas? Yeah, so both Jeremy and I wanted to. We, we knew we wanted to get into software, and so we just kind of created a spreadsheet and just started jotting down ideas over the course of a few weeks. Um, we had about 20 ideas that we thought could be million dollar ideas and that we could easily transition our, our agency to. And we had about maybe five that we thought could be $20 million plus ideas. And we had three that we thought could be 50 to a hundred million dollar ideas and ultimately narrowed it down to, to building Spiffy for some, some other reasons, um, that, that we can talk about and dive into as well. But, um, yeah, so we, we, since we were practitioners in our field, like I said, we knew all of the limitations and, and where certain tools were the go-to tools in the industry, but they still weren't really doing a great job at addressing certain aspects. So everything from membership sites to, um, you know, creating urgency and funnels to payments to, you know, I can't remember all of the ideas off the top of my head now, but yeah. um, you know, we, we had a process that we walked through to narrow it down to building spiffy because I'm an entrepreneur and like many entrepreneurs, I have shiny object syndrome or like I'm yeah. constantly coming up with, with new ideas. And yeah, this was the first time where like, I know I'm building the thing that I'm meant to be building. And there's just a lot of value and, and value from um, just being able to know that you are focusing on, the thing that you're meant to be building. So when other opportunities come your way, it's easy to say no. Cause that's the yeah. hardest part as an entrepreneur is like you're yeah. on your path and all of a sudden this awesome opportunity comes and it's, it's kind of on your path, but it's two steps to the right. And you're like, Oh, it's, it's kind of there. It's going to get me there. And then you, you start going down that path. And then six months later, you're like took a complete right turn and you have to spend three months just getting back on track. Um, so there's, um, there's a lot of, I would say that, it's very easy to get distracted if you're not certain that you're building the right thing. Okay. So t tell me, um, how did you, how did you judge whether an idea was a million dollars or, or 20 or 50 million? That sounds like sort of an objective uh, or subjective thing. How, how did you, how did you come up with your formula to figure that out? Uh, it, it's really just based off of kind of how big the market size was, how much competition was in the market, how much we thought that we could penetrate. Uh, that market um, in you know a certain amount of time, um, and so that's you know ultimately it came down to also just valuations of what we could sell the company for. There's different types of businesses that and different industries that you get into where you get you know a ten to twelve x multiple rather than a two to three to five x multiple, and and so all those things were were factors into deciding what we built. Okay. So, but in terms of, you're saying that different SASs will sometimes only get three, like a five X multiple and another SAS would get a 12 X multiple. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I, yeah. There's, there's certain industries where based off of the business model or certain SAS products, but based off the business model, you'll get a much better valuation. You know, for example, in the payment space, if you're getting okay. a percentage of the transaction volume, 
on top of your SaaS business model. It's an extra multiplier. You know, there's, okay. there's a whole nother layer of revenue that a, a normal SaaS product wouldn't necessarily have. Okay. So you were sort of looking for that. You're looking for the multiples and stuff because someone had also mentioned that, that they um, take a piece of the transaction that's let's say it's a shopping cart um, upsell software. And, uh, mm -hmm. um, and that's actually where they make most of their money from, not just from the, the monthly packages. So mm -hmm. I, I think uh, um, that's uh, an interesting point for anyone thinking about building a SaaS is to think about those extra multipliers where you can take a piece of the transaction fee or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so we, we, we went through an eight step process to really narrow down what we wanted to build. And so the first four steps, and this is something that we typically share with our consulting clients back in the agency days, the first four steps need to be in this order. Okay. You obviously need to be solving a problem in the marketplace. It needs to be a real problem. There's lots right. of people out there manufacturing problems and you know, you yeah. might have momentary success, but if it's not a real problem in the marketplace, then it's, you're going to have challenges from day one. Um, people need to be actively seeking a solution for that problem. So yeah. not only, sorry, they, sorry. First one is that there needs to solve a real problem. People need to be aware that they have the problem. Yeah. Otherwise you're going to have to spend a lot of time, effort, energy, and money educating them, making them aware of the problem, convincing them that they have a problem. So, so you use like so SEO or something like that. Is that what you used SEO or something to find that out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interviewing clients, you know, doing, okay. you know, just doing a lot of things that aren't scalable necessarily. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, just have, and we had been doing that for over a decade before we started building our SaaS product just okay. from being in, in that space. So we knew what we knew the, the pains, the challenges, what people are aware of things of that nature. So the first, first one is needed to solve a problem. The, the target market needs to be aware they have their problem. The third thing is they need to be actively seeking a solution to that problem. So that's where, you know, are they actually Googling to, to, to solve a problem? Are they actually going to, um, you know, reading blog posts? Are they going to events? Are they, uh, you know, tapping into their network to try and find different resources. And then the fourth thing is that they need to be active or they need to be willing to pay for that solution. So they need to be actively looking for the solution and they need to be willing to pay for it. Right. There's lots of companies out there, even SaaS products out there. They solve a real problem. The people are aware that they have the problem. They're actively seeking a solution for it, but it it's really pay. not that big of a thing. They're not going to, yeah. they're not going to exchange dollars for, for that solution. And so those four things have to be in play. And then on top of that, we had another four different things that, you know, things like what's the lifetime value of the customer? Um, what is the customer acquisition cost? What is the market size? And how easy is it to turn a customer into an advocate? And so from those eight different things, it helped us really narrow down and, and determine like which uh, okay. idea that we wanted to execute against. Okay, so you're building a spreadsheet and you're using these eight factors. Uh, this is how you came up with, okay, this is, this is a $50 million idea or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, and um, in terms of like, can you give me some of the criteria that you felt like were most important? Like for, for, for example, sounds like maybe the size of the market, was there like a minimum for that? Uh, like uh, obviously, um, you know, sh uh, checkout, people are needing checkout services massive, you know, whatever, a hundred more than a hundred million people that need that, um, search volume, like what any minimums for search volume? 
Um, I mean, obviously Google has changed a lot of the data that they make available to you these days. Um, so a lot of it wasn't necessarily quantitative data. It was a lot of it was anecdotal or qualitative. Um, and, and, you know, um, there, there were certain things that we just knew that really didn't have a lot of defensibility or we knew it was like, Hey, this is something that's going to be really popular for the next two or three years, but we don't know if this is actually going to be, uh, an industry for SaaS in the next five years. Yeah. Um, and so one of the other kickers was, or the, one of the other f- uh, factors as well, um, that wasn't really in that initial, um, eight things was just how easy is it to pivot? And so, you know, there's lots of people that have a really great idea, but one new regulation that comes down could completely wipe out your entire business model. And are you building something that it could easily transfer to a different industry? So that was also a factor in our decision-making as well. Um, You know, when you're building a, a custom payments platform and you have that in your back pocket, the industry could change overnight and we could pivot and turn into a yoga CRM or, you know, for, for yoga studios, you know, like there's, there's 12 different ways that you can pivot if you're building a payments platform. So that was another factor was that in some of those different industries, it's like, okay, great. Like we spent three years building this thing and all of a sudden, you know, a company that has a lot more resources than us pivots and they completely just wipe us out, copy us or, you know, whatever it is and shoot now we're up a Creek and we can't do anything about it. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of different things like that, uh, to, to think about for, for the entrepreneur that has a lot of different ideas and, um, is, is, you know, not sure on what to execute against. Okay. Um, so it sounds like you came up with the idea for Spiffy. Has the idea changed? Um, has the idea changed at all? Did you have to pivot or what was the original? Tell me about the original core problem that you're solving, uh, with your MVP. Cause you mentioned you only spent 5,000 dollars on it which to me it's like you're basically solving one problem there's not a lot you can do with that yeah exactly so one of the things that we were super clear on from day one is that we didn't want to raise money um okay. so we got super resourceful and okay. a lot of times Sorry, can i just interject can you give me reasons yeah. for why you didn't want to uh, raise money um i mean one jeremy and i are both entrepreneurs and we're definitely you know anti uh corporate, I guess you could say. And we just kind of, yeah. at some level, we felt like as soon as you take some money from somebody, now you have a job. Okay. Um, and I just we wanted knew- to clarify, cause I think that it sounds like it's sort of like equity control, you know, things like that. You just wanted to control your own destiny and not have investors breathing down your neck, trying to get returns and things like that. Yeah. And, and we witnessed other SaaS companies in our space, you know, raise money and, and we've had conversations with, with other tool, you know, founders in our space. that was like, okay, like don't raise money if you don't have to. Yeah. Um, and so that was also part of, of why we decided to build Spiffy is because we were heavily involved in the Infusionsoft space. Yeah. And we knew that Infusionsoft's e-commerce platform was, you know, heavily outdated and everybody was like super happy about with it. it. Yeah. 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 And so what we did was we, the first thing we built was an app for Infusionsoft. Okay. So we already had an existing relationships in the Infusionsoft space. We knew all the top partners. We were a partner. And so yeah. we, that's how we were able to bootstrap and, and sell fund Spiffy is that we basically were able to build a track record, start building our brand, start solving a need in the marketplace that people were actively seeking a solution for and willing to pay for. And so we were basically able to scale up to 
a thousand small business customers with doing very little actual, you know, uh, paid advertising or spending any money on advertising all through partnerships, affiliates, um, and not like, like traditional, not like big affiliate promotions, but more so like agencies that we just kind of have a commission structure for, um, and, you know, putting a lot of free content out there and, and, uh, you know, kind of doing some SEO videos on YouTube tutorials, things of that nature. So, um, yeah. Okay. So, so you launched, um, you launched your, your MVP with 5,000 art. Did you guys write, I want either of you programmers. Yeah. So Jeremy, um, is, is he, he would not, he would never call himself a developer, but he's, he's a really savvy, uh, developer. And, um, we outsourced the MVP to a dev team in India that we had contacts with. So they did a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, Jeremy and, and Devin, who's also one of our developers, they were definitely like the, the masterminds behind the MVP and, and now, um, you know, kind of our, our V2 product that we're launching now. Okay. So it's written in PHP. Is that right? Um, no, our, our first version of our, of our product, I guess this depends on what you're talking about as far as our, our MVP versus our product today. Yeah. The MVP, let's say start with the MVP. What, what was that? Really? Yeah. So again, like our MVP, we weren't necessarily sure if this idea was going to work. And so yeah. that was part of the MVP. We want to keep costs down. Yeah. The agency was our full-time deal and this was just kind of a side hustle. So we would put some irons in the fire and just wanted to see what happens and what would happen. And so we actually built our MVP um, using a custom WordPress install, um, using Infusionsoft and then using a membership site plugin for WordPress. Okay. That's killer. Yeah. And so you had uh, Infusionsoft's total buy-in for this, right? You were speaking with them. You were telling them that you were going to do this uh, and, and they were fine with that or how did that work? Yeah, we, we, we were developer partners of Infusionsoft. So okay. I mean, it wasn't like necessarily we so had do they have a marketplace. I'm not that familiar. Do they have a marketplace? Yes. Yeah, they do. Okay. They have a marketplace. And, um, I, you know, I actually used to work at Infusionsoft back in 2013, 2014, and, um, uh, they were moving towards a platform oriented, um, company and, and, okay. and business model. And so they were encouraging development on their platform, third party plugins and things of that nature. Okay. So you took the, so you're sort of using the agency funds at this point just to say, okay, this is going to be a side hustle. This is a good use of our, uh, agency funds to, to, to fund this MVP. Um, is that basically how you funded the MVP? Yeah, exactly. We took okay. you know, profits uh, from, from the agency and, and funneled it into development. Yep. Okay. A, a bunch of other startups that I've been speaking to use that approach, which I think is very good. I'm actually using it myself. Um, nice. So um, tell me how it came with the first customers. Did you have any, were you talking with customers? Did you like go to Frank Kern and be like, Hey, I'm thinking about, doing this would you be interested was he like if you build this i'll definitely use it i mean did you have some conversations like that and some customers immediately upon building it so we we had a pulse in the marketplace from our consulting clients because we were custom coding the order forms first okay. so that's kind of how we made a name for ourselves was a lot of the big names they were doing their product launches and they were getting you know tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of views to their offer and, and through their marketing funnel. And so, you know, having a half of a percent increase in their conversion rate or making their checkout pages, their order forms mobile optimized uh, was, was essential. And this is back in 2015, 2014, and in that kind of time frame. So mobile commerce was just kind of on the, 
uh, you know, kind of a new buzzword at the time. Everybody was kind of not on the bandwagon yet. And yeah. we were kind of the, the first people to, to make Infusionsoft order forms uh, mobile friendly. And so we were able to go to some of our clients, but we just knew that it was a, a big pain point. And we were charging $1,500 to $2,500 just to optimize one page. And it took forever to do it yeah. because we we're custom coding, do the content, make it mobile optimized. And so one day I turned to Jeremy, I'm like, dude, there's gotta be a way to productize this. Yeah. And yeah. so Infusionsoft has their, their conference icon. And, uh -huh. um, one day, uh, at, at the event, I was running around to all the different booths of all the sponsors and the partners and the agencies with a screenshot on my phone, showing people what we thought we could build at the time and got some feedback that way. And, um, you know, got some people that were like, Oh, that's cool. Some people were like, Hey, like you really shouldn't do that because Infusionsoft can just, you know, do an update and you guys will be wiped out. So we got like a lot of naysayers and then a lot of people that were yeah. um, really encouraging too. So, um, it was definitely an, an interesting, um, interesting start. An interesting launch. Okay. So, so tell me uh, how the launch went, like how, how long did it take you to get, uh, I, I call the first three phases uh, of the startup journey to 30,000 is zero to 5,000. 5,000 to 15,000 and 15 to 30 and beyond. So how was zero to, to 5,000 for you? Um, it was very manual. <laughs> it so was, we probably okay. made, we probably made our first $3,500, maybe $4,000 of sales before people could even log into their app. So like we were doing live demos. We, our website was a, a landing page where people could opt in and schedule a demo. It was a very simple landing page and we were selling, uh, our, essentially our technology, uh, without it really even being a SaaS. So, you know, we do a demo. We didn't even have a checkout page up for our, our services yet. We were taking payments over the phone, manually entering the payments into Stripe yeah. and then sending people the little code snippet that they could add on their, on their website to make it mobile optimized and, uh, you know, make it look better and all that good stuff. And so, um, zero to $5,000, uh, probably took four months and four it was all months, just, okay. that's pretty you know, good hustling yeah. and doing live yeah. demos and, and selling people, you know, face, and, you know, face to face over zoom or whatnot. What, what, what was the um, price of the, um, that first package? Like give me the um, price. Yeah. So we right started there. with an annual, annual subscription only, and it was $300 a year. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. And, and how was the, um, was there resistance to that at all? Or were you finding it? Was there just the one package? Yep. Just one, one plan. And, um, it, it was just such a big, um, a big pain point in the marketplace that we really didn't get that much resistance from a lot of the initial okay. uh, people because they just, we were able to, the nice thing about what we built was that we were able to basically very easily logically explain how it pays for itself. Yeah. So if somebody's selling a $2,000 online course or consulting yeah, package, it's no like, Hey, brainer. listen, if yeah. this just makes one more sale for you for the entire year, yeah, you just got right. a two X ROI and it creates a better user experience for every single one of your customers. It makes you look more professional. It's yeah. way easier to maintain. Yada, yada, yada. So How are you selling like, it for so cheap? It sounds cheap to me. Uh, did you, uh, did you realize that it was cheap and you raised your prices or, or, um, um, I mean, yeah. And that was, that was just the beta pricing. You know, we've, we've raised our prices since then we charge, you know, 444 now uh, for an annual subscription. So we haven't raised them astronomically, but that's just kind of the market for, for infusion. Is that the way apps. you're still doing it though? You still only sell annuals or do you sell monthlies as well? 
we have a monthly as well. So, okay. you know, once monthly we rolled out 40, $40 or something, uh, yeah, $50 a month. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, once we rolled out, I mean, you know, after probably about six months, we had a login area where people could actually go in there and create their own order forms. And then, um, you know, probably about a year after that, we launched a drag and drop builder. And, okay. um, that was really what was the, I guess, uh, inflection point in, in our, our path to this point was, um, was that it was something that was super innovative. Nobody else was doing it and, uh, everybody wanted it. And so okay. we, we basically came out with that feature. We had a two week window where the old pricing was still valid and then we bumped up the price. Okay. So, um, talk to me about how you, this is, how did you come up with that idea? And, and is that when it moved from, um, being WordPress plugin to, to, to your, your current platform now, which I think is to PHP. Um, so our, our journey is a, a little bit interesting because we knew that our, the first product that we built, um, was not the ultimate the last, idea that yeah. we had, right? right. And so the idea that we the, the idea that we had from day one was to create a SaaS product that made it easy for people to take payments through a website. And how we were going to build that and self fund it was addressing the Infusionsoft market. So we addressed the Infusionsoft market. We are the go to solution in the Infusionsoft space. Anybody that is doing any amount of sales through Infusionsoft is a customer of ours, uh-huh. and. Um, and then that's what allowed us to hire our team and, and build, um, build the, the standalone version. So now we have the you know, version two that integrates, um, directly with Stripe and PayPal for processing. And then also integrates with active campaign and HubSpot and keep and Fusionsoft. We have a Zapier integration for other, okay. um, other applications too. Okay. So the, the, the new platform is built, um, using the, the Vue.js framework. Um, which is kind of like a, a the front react end, yeah. or angular. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so it's mainly JavaScript based. Okay. Okay. That's so, so you, so you were able to pivot away from Infusionsoft, which for, for you must've been a huge relief because you're like, oh, you know, thank God. Cause all the naysayers at the, at the, the shows or at the events were saying, well, Infusionsoft can do this. And so now you have active campaign and HubSpot and you're like, Phew, you know, you got thousands of other, customers, especially HubSpot's huge. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And so that, I mean, that's kind of where we're at in our journey right now is, is opening up to those other markets. And so, you know, while, you know, Spiffy is still a checkout page solution while we're still taking payments, while we have a lot of, you know, momentum, um, it's almost like starting up all over again. Um, yeah. This time just with a little bit more resources, a little bit bigger team. So it's, it's been an interesting journey to say the least for sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. So, so you're at 5,000, um, you're at 5,000 MR, you build this, um, this, this other platform, which basically sounds like it's V2. It's almost sort of another MVP. Um, but you already have customers, you pivot from them. How did you fund that second one? Was that still the agents? Were you still running the agency at this time? Yep. Yep. So okay. that was just kind of the next evolution of, of the Infusionsoft product. So we still have the agency at this time, you know, for the first two years, Jeremy and I didn't take a single dollar out of the revenue from Spiffy. We just reinvested it back into our team. Um, and so as soon as we could hire a full-time developer from the revenue Spiffy was generating, we did. And Jeremy and I were 100% focused on, uh, on the agency side of things and serving our clients. And, and we'd have, okay. you know, a couple calls a week with our development team and, um, and, and who was handling, was who was doing sales and stuff for Spiffy then? Would you guys, so that's, you, 
you guys still doing sales calls with Spiffy? Um, you know, here, here and there a little bit, but it got to a point where we had, you know, over a hundred different partners, Infusionsoft partners that were mostly, mostly affiliate stuff then. And, and, you know, they were referring business our way and we were okay. shooting, diff, you know, we shoot, we shot, you know, 12 different uh, tutorial videos on some of our top features, like how to add a custom field to an Infusionsoft order form. Okay. I mean, that one video alone probably drove, you know, 200 customers within the first 12 months of, of shooting that video. Um, so and how long using was that some, video? Just curious. It's just, it's just a how to way. Eh? It's just a how to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just because people thought it wasn't possible. And all of a sudden, yeah. you know, people are at, are, are so, like, Hey, like, is this possible? Like, oh, whoa. Yeah. yeah. How do you do that? And you oh, already knew make that. It easy. Yeah. yeah. You they make that. a copy paste. easy. <clears throat> yeah, um, yeah. and so that we had like 12 different features like that. Um, and, <clears throat> and so it, um, we really weren't doing a lot of sales. Again, it comes back to those first four things, right? It's like, are you solving a real problem? Are they aware of the problem? Are they actively seeking the solution to the problem? And are they willing to pay for it? If you have yeah. those four things in play, like you don't need to do a lot of marketing and sales wizardry. Um, yeah. We knew that it was a real problem. We knew people were actively looking for it and we were priced where it was just like, if you were a legitimate business doing, you know, you know, $50,000 a year or more, um, it, it was just a complete no brainer to, to pull the trigger yeah. and, and, you know, save yourself a bunch of time and make more money. So that was kind of our, our sales pitch. And, um, yeah, it was, sounds, wasn't a hard sale. So, okay. So the 5,000 to 15,000 was sort of a transition where you were working still at the agency full time. The spiffy was growing organically relatively. Um, and then at what point did you feel like, okay, we can, I, we need to go over spiffy full time. And how did you wind down the agency? Yeah. So we actually wound down the agency fully this past December. So we were still okay. taking on some consulting clients, doing some, you know, intensive workshops and stuff like that. Um, but it was, it was a three and a half to four year process. And wow, the, that's point, the point that made that possible was probably around the time where we hit about, um, hit about probably about 30, $35,000 in um, MRR. And yeah. you know, Jeremy and I, basically took a huge pay cut and we had a good transition point with, with, um, some of our big clients and, um, Spiffy got to the point where it was like, okay, like the, there, there's something here and it needs our full attention. Yeah. And so we were able to get to a point where like, we didn't need to be, um, you know, broke, starving startup founders, obviously weren't living the, didn't have the same income, you know, took about a 50% pay cut but we could focus on Spiffy full time. And so we've been doing that for the last um, 16 to 18 months. Okay. Oh, 16. I thought you were going to say six. So it was last December, 2018. Um, yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. So how come you guys went off at the same time? I mean, it seems like one, one of you could have like kind of kept the agency maybe still, or was it sort of the thing where you needed to have both of you at the agency? Um, it was like kind of, you know, one, two or nothing. Yeah. And, and so I, I guess when I say full-time and making it, making our main focus, like I said, we've yeah. up until this, up until this past December, we still had a few consulting clients. So building this next version of our product, um, I've taken on the responsibility for a lot of the agency work and the clients and the consulting and stuff like that. So that Jeremy and our development team could focus on building the next version okay. of our product. So you know, we, we have still had some revenue coming in from our agency, but you know, large, largely 
Stiffy is our main focus for, okay. for the last you know 18 months. Okay. So uh, once you went, um, you're at 35,000 MRR. At this point, you were still sort of growing through SEO and uh, referrals from your partners. Is that right? Um, yep. At that time, where you you were, you had already tapped into Active Campaign and HubSpot. Is that right? Not yet. Nope. But that's okay. all in, all Infusionsoft. Yep. Okay. So uh, w- tell me about how you um, r- you tapped into Active Campaign and HubSpot and how you uh, sort of entered those markets and how you're growing um, those markets because you don't have any relationships within in that side of your business, right? How are you doing that? Yeah. So. Interesting enough, a lot of apps that came out of the Infusionsoft marketplace and the Infusionsoft industry um, hit market saturation and started you know, going to other markets. And so we had really good relationships with tools like Membarium, um, you know, Micah and David Bullock over at Membarium and Scott DeGrassier at Wicked Reports. You know, all these tools were um, you know, Kind of started in the sort of non, there's no conflict of interest for you to sort of work together. Exactly. And, you know, we'd become friends. We've, you know, referred business. We've been customers of their platform, sent them a bunch of clients. And so they had existing relationships with active campaign. And so they were able to make warm introductions. Um, lots of serendipity has happened, yeah. you know, just from timing where, you know, like I said, I, at the beginning of this, of this um, podcast, uh, I used to work at Infusionsoft and yeah. as we were starting to uh, build our active campaign integration, one of my friends from Infusionsoft just became the director of partner uh, ch- channel sales, uh, global channel sales at active campaign. And so, you know, there weren't any special favors by any means, like right. we have the best solution for active campaign customers. Yeah. Um, but we were able to have at least put our, at least get the phone call right and yeah. and get get our our name in the conversation and and kind of earn our stripes and and things of that nature so um but we're like the go to checkout page solution for active campaign right now that's right and i was telling you um i have a client that's using um spiffy now uh we're their active campaign and they're very they're very happy with it so, so it's, awesome it's, very yeah, cool yeah um wanted to give a shout out for that um thank you so what about um um, a- any other sort of marketing that you're doing now to, to like, what's the growth plan for you right now? Is it uh, how, how Jeremy is, is just focusing on development and growing the product? And, and if, if what's he looking to do to, to like sort of improve the product, what's the growth plan for you guys? Yeah. So that's been something that's been very interesting. And before we, we hopped on the podcast, I was talking about how our journey has been a little bit um, unique in that, um, you know, they're taking payments online. is not a new concept. And there's definitely, you know, from day one of building our MVP, there's been other agencies and other, you know, app companies in the infusion soft space that were way better position to build what we built than, than we were at the time. And even to this day, there's still other companies out there that, their development teams are two, three, four, five, ten 10 times bigger than ours. Right. Yeah. And so it's like this balance of like, how much do we talk about what we're doing? And so, um, you know, as of, you know, just a couple months ago, we decided to start reaching out and start talking about what we're doing more. Um, but for the last two or three years, we've been super, you know, flying under the radar. To, to uh, your customers or. I mean, it's more top of funnel marketing. You know, we've okay. been very, very focused on the Infusionsoft space and we've been flying yeah. below, below the radar for, for quite a long time. Um, but from, from a marketing perspective, 
right now we're not trying to hit that hockey stick inflection point of growth. We've built a great tool. We have, you know, very loyal clients um, and, and customers of Spiffy and we've done that through great customer service. Um, yeah. And so I think that's one of the most, the biggest unsung heroes of, of SaaS differentiation is customer service. Um, the bar is so low that you can just do an okay job of customer service and you just blow people's minds. <laughs> yeah. And so, so um, that's, can you expand upon that? Cause I think that's a, that's an important point. What were you making sure that your customer uh, care reps were, were doing? Do you like, just break that down. Did you have a live chat or um, 24 seven service or what was it? What was your uh, recipe to make that so good? Yeah. I mean, honestly, just same day responses. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm, so the bar is that a, low. a real low bar. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And just being helpful and like being yeah. and, and hiring people that are that, that first off care about making sure that customer is successful and yeah. also know like are, are able to predict like, Hey, you're asking about this, but I also know that you're going to come right back with your next email asking about this, this, and this. So I'm just going to say, Hey, like, I don't know if you're yeah. trying to do this, this, and this, but here's some more information on this as well. Well, you know, just like being proactive with the customer support, not just being completely reactive. So I think it's one thing that a lot of people try to outsource overseas and just have, you know. So you don't, you don't go to the Philippines or anything like that. No, you hire nope. like U.S. guys yep. or. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. And, and since we, for the longest time, we were so focused on the Infusionsoft space, um, you know, after their non-compete clause ended, we were able to hire former advanced customer support reps that worked uh, at Infusionsoft okay. for four, five, six, seven years. Okay. And so not only did they know Spiffy well, but they also knew Infusionsoft really well because what we found was that, you know, building a, a an app for Infusionsoft specifically um, allowed us to grow really quickly, but a lot of our support requests and questions were not Spiffy support requests. Yeah. They were yeah. Infusionsoft support requests. Yeah, so yeah. that was an interesting and, and unique challenge for sure. <laughs> yeah. That when we, we used to have, um, it was actually an op option for us. I had another e-commerce and, uh, company and they used to call it confusion soft. I'm sure you've heard that before. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, okay, great. So we're, we're coming up to the top of the, the hour of our agreed upon time. So I wanted to thank you so much for, for your time today, Mike. Um, tell me, um, how can people get a hold of you? Um, if they have of, uh, any questions or, um, um, want to learn more about Spiffy, obviously they can go to gospiffy.com, um, but uh, how can they reach out to you? Yeah, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Michael R. Hunter. Okay. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, Michael R. Hunter, email michael at spiffy.co or michael at gospiffy.com. So gospiffy.com is our website for Spiffy for Infusionsoft. That's our Infusionsoft app. And then spiffy.co is our website for uh, the standalone version of Spiffy that uh, you can embed in your website, integrates with Stripe um, and other marketing automation and, and CRM tools. So spiffy.co is, is the latest product uh, that we're focused on right now and okay. um, kind of that next, uh, next evolution next of, journey. of okay. what we're doing. Yeah. Good. I'm excited to hear, uh, hear how your guys' journey continues and, and to stay in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for uh, having me on the, the podcast. It was great speaking with you and we'll definitely be in touch soon. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Big Break Software Podcast with your host, Jordy Wardman. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web 
Keep listening and your software big break could be right around the corner. <laughs>